What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of You Say and Thomas. I am Chase Thomas, and I'm a sports writer. And I'm Philip Mousset. I'm a writer-director living in Lowburn, Georgia. Well, that's a lie. That's not a lie. Yeah, that's we're not in Lowburn. Our address says Stone Mountain, Georgia. We have a different uh, Well, you know, you know... I'm from Stone Mountain. I'm not from Lowburn. Yeah, but most of everything that I do is in Lilburn. Doesn't is, matter. Is what does problem. your address say? It says Stone Mountain. Mm. It it you know it definitely says Stone Mountain, but don't take that away from me. I'm a I Stone Mountainite. Like We're both Stone Mountainites. I feel like it's a bit of a misnomer, though. It's not. You know? Stone Mountain's two minutes from our house. It's two. It's two minutes from your house, but like when you think about it, you went to school in Lilburn. Correct. The li- the libraries in Lilburn. Mm-hmm. Uh the Kroger's not in Lilburn, but um. You know, there's a Publix down the road that you could go to. That's well, who wants to go Lilburn, to Publix? So. That's a great point. You hate Publix. I really for some do. Reason, um, but yeah, that's that's for another time. Yeah, um, it's it's like, honestly not for ever, any other time. There, there will never be another point where I, I do another diatribe about Publix on a podcast. Oh, it's not necessary. No more, no more, no more diatribes. Oh, I didn't say that. No, 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 no. I'm saying about Publix. I've exhausted my uh, Publix quota. I've already given them too much advertising free of charge in this podcast. Well, I think you just pr- maybe need to get some some back pay. That is true. They owe me. If that's if that's possible. Free some lobsters on my behalf. I loved going into Publix as a kid because they have these uh you know, they would give away free cookies like you go to the the bakery section. Wait, when did they do that? They 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 I mean, I assume they still do it, but you know, we would always go over there and uh, whenever we were buying like bread or something, mm-hmm. um, you know, you just go over to the, the baker and uh, ask for <laughs> a free cookie and they're like, boom. And then they, it's, I think it was part of like a rewards program. Like they give you this card and you can like, you stamp it, like you go get a free cookie and however many times you go over there, uh, you get, get like your card stamped and you eventually get a cookie cake. Those were the good times. Those were when I didn't have to pay for my own groceries or my own internet, which I never got over when I graduated from college and had to get my own apartment. Internet like should be a public good, I think. See, internet is a little bit more... I don't know. Like That one's tough because I 100% would pay a lot more money for better internet than other people. So like a, a universal internet doesn't sit with me unfortunately no no net neutrality for this no i would i would i wouldn't i would not like it if i could if i could literally ruin all my neighbors that i'm looking at it right now and get better internet for myself then i would gladly do it so i mean i you could easily transfer that logic onto 
one of your favorite topics, which is healthcare. Mm. Um, <laughs> I don't understand how. No, no, no. Those you, are two how, very different I, things. One is a, a a need. One is a basic human right. The internet is not a basic human oh, right. Tell me, tell me, you can survive as as a as a person living in 2020 in an advanced country. Tell me how you can get by. Like, and I don't mean survive because obviously you can survive, but how do you, how do you make it through a day and complete the things that you normally do without the internet? You can't, you can't do it. No, I mean, we're, we're absolutely trapped. I'm not disagreeing, but I'm saying that there is a point where you could, you a hundred percent, the grid could go down. Like that's probably going to happen in our the life. Grid. No, our, our grid, like if there's, I've read so many great books on this. It's one of my favorite 21st century um, topics is that our, our power grid has not been worked on in a very long time and we're very susceptible to hacking. And uh, I think that is the future of terror is not like, no, someone's going to bomb us. That's not something I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about someone hacking and literally destroying our power grid. Like that is very much a possibility. Could that person be Skynet Mm. by any chance? Is that what you're afraid of? I'm not. Would you rather have, uh, Skynet take over the internet or like a foreign actor? Neither. No, it has to be one. Has to be one. I really don't know. What would you pick? I think Skynet. Yeah, I guess I'd probably pick Skynet. Because foreign, it, it, foreign leader could be all kinds of different things. That's a, that is a Russian roulette uh, that I'm not sure I want to go down. Like, I have no idea. That could go a bunch of different ways. It I'm sure it would it would turn out in a situation. <laughs> that is some analysis. Something some, that is something some something would, something would happen. <laughs> something probably would happen. I'm, as of as of now, I'm not entirely sure if that something would be <laughs> good or bad. But I'm. Have you read Lights I'm Out? Very. No, I haven't. Okay, read Lights Out, and then read get back Lights to me. Out. Like it's incredible. It's very fascinating. I I love this topic, and I think it's going to happen in our lifetime, and it's going to be wild. We're like. People did not think a pandemic would happen in our lifetime, but here we are. Like, I really 100% believe that um, uh, this is going to happen, where we do lose power and internet and everything for an extended amount of time. I do think that happens at some point. I mean, that could that could very well precipitate, like, a, 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 an endgame scenario, because I think people would lose their minds. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, the lights went off, everybody, but... I mean, hospitals would shut down, traffic lights would be out of whack, like, there would be no security, like, street lights would be out, crime would go up, presumably, and I don't want to be a, I don't want to be Debbie Downer over here, but. When are you not Debbie Downer on this podcast? I'm always the optimistic, uplifting one. You're, you're the Debbie Downer (laughs) of the group. We've, we've established this, Philip. Unless we're talking about Batman the Killing Joke, in which case I am so optimistic. Mm. So well, everything is more optimistic in comparison to that. I think. <laughs> oh boy, this uh, we're. I think we have a. Do you just want to talk treat. about that again? What Batman or Bernadette? Oh, Batman. Because when you say that, anything, <laughs> anything that's spoken of in the demonstrative, I just immediately assume is is about Bernadette. If you don't use a uh, an actual like, you know. Um. Uh, proper noun. And if, if you just use like a substitute, then uh, 
then I, I guess just assume that you're talking about Bernadette. But I will tell you, I am actually not talking about Bernadette in this scenario, Philip. No Bernadette. What are you talking about? Not, no. Well, that's a bummer. I know, right? Um, speaking of bummers, uh, Borat, the movie that we're uh, talking about. No, it's not a bummer. Oh, that's how you started off? Yeah. <laughs> it's not a, you thought it was a bummer? I, um. Let's, yeah. I, like, reading, I needed to read a lot of different reviews to kind of figure out if I was on an island here in terms of how I viewed these kind of movies in our current political climate where like (laughs) it's amazing 15 years ago how different we saw all this stuff and i i don't know it's just like pence and giuliani like he is trump's lawyer like that is something that i think about where i'm just like these are the people the most powerful people in our country and they're absolutely fucking (laughs) out of their minds like i just (laughs) It was so That's... depressing because, like, they brag about not getting gotten, like, how easy it is to actually get them. So, if anyone else who is not Sasha Baron Corbett to to go out and get them and just trick them, pretty easy. That was a big takeaway here. It's not that hard. So, in one word, how would you describe this film? <sighs> Borat's subsequent movie film. Alarming. Prodigious Bribe. To American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Alarming. Alarming. Okay. I just, I cannot uh, believe this many people still get swindled by Borat. It, it's amazing to me that this is still happening in 2020. <laughs> how? How are well, people still see, falling for this? Like, you know, I enjoy it, but is- how is this happening? How are they still falling for it? So, I, I think, so this movie was incredibly difficult would have been incredibly difficult to make after the first one came out in 2006. I think, I think Fox was slated to do a sequel, but they had to cancel because the, because the first movie was so successful that everyone knew who Borat was. So it was like literally impossible to fool people that, you know, that they weren't being taken for a loop by Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, but I guess, (laughs) I guess somehow they decided this year, um, uh, this year was the year, you know, um, what was it? Columbia pictures decided to, to run with it and Amazon, um, Amazon studios, studios distributed it. Um, somehow they were able to make this work. And I, I was reading that like a bunch of people earlier this year had been, had, you know, spotted, uh, Sash Baron Cohen, like in character as Borat doing, different pranks but no one knew it was a movie like no one really knew what was going on uh and all of a sudden back in august they announced that this was happening and now we have this now we have this treat (laughs) treat of a of of a film to to i don't know uh to make us feel better or worse depending on you know how you what you read on this is before the most important election of uh of our lifetimes so I think I would describe this in, in one word. I would say that this is, this is completely outrageous. Um, it is, it, it, it's, it's, it's a hilarious movie, but it's also very serious. Um, because of the context, like the time we're living in is to your point, right? Like we have very powerful people, um, 
who like, you know, and by powerful people, I guess we're specifically we're referring to Rudy Giuliani, who in this scene basically almost uh, exposes himself like on camera to uh, an, uh, an underage journalist. Like if we table that, like that aside, <laughs> um, I was taken to this phrase that they use that the Argentinians use, which is a country plagued by, by corruption and, and scandal and, and their, in their, uh, in their democracy. And they, they use this phrase where they say, nos reímos para no llorar, which, which means we laugh so we don't cry. Um, and to me, this, this film makes us laugh so that we can put off crying, uh, over the, you know, the very real threats to our democracy that Borat undercovers and satirizes, which are, you know, anything, everything from, right-wing populism to xenophobia, racism, anti-Semitism, um, you know, sexism, disinformation, and, um, you know, the fact that social media companies refuse to police their own sites, which enables just the festering of all of these issues. Uh, it's a very serious movie. So, um, <laughs> I was, I was, I was hard pressed to like, every time I laughed, I found myself being like, Oh, this is so cringe because it's, it's true. Like, how did you, what was your, what was your take on all? So he, he obviously is in, he goes to a lot of different places. Um, but how do you think that they were able to get people like get film crews in these such scenarios and have people react as if nothing were happening? Like how, how was it possible to create those types of of pranks and gaffes like i I just it's just beyond me i have no idea i don't either i just (laughs) i my notes i'm looking at them right now is just that like how i wrote how at least 14 (laughs) times (laughs) yeah and and i don't want to spoil this movie by any sense like yeah i think this is what we have to be careful about because i think you'll You'll miss a lot of the great moments in this movie if we spoil too much. Yeah, I think every. First of all, I think everyone should see it. I don't think you have to see the first one to to see this. But and this is Philip's um, first movie he recommended. Um, that's less than uh, three and a half hours long. So thank you, Philip. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess the cure for wellness was was about two and a half hours long. Felt um, like nine. Felt like nine. <laughs> felt like pulling teeth. Literally. <laughs> that's. A, I guess that's a reference. Oh God. Um. So, so first versus second, what's your, what's your verdict? Original versus the sequel, which one was better? Uh, I think the original still. Yeah. But I want to go back and rewatch the original now. Are we sure Bruno? It's just not the, not the unsung (laughs) Jim here. (laughs) I actually never watched Bruno, but I did watch the dictator. (laughs) I never saw the dictator. Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's still the original, and it no, nah, it's got to be the original. But this is good. Like this had no business being this good. I was I went in with low expectations. Like it's never gonna top Triumph, the insulting comic dog for me. Like that is my favorite um, form <laughs> of political discourse and just uh, surprising, unsuspecting politicians. Yeah, uh, but he's. He's still really good, and it's still amazing that he's able to still get these people. I just, I cannot believe. Like, what was your favorite where you were like, oh, 
he did it again. Was there a moment there in this Dude, movie? I was like, I I could not believe. So this movie was filmed during quarantine. Yeah, and I I just couldn't wrap my mind around how like. This, I mean, it's cinema quality work. Like, it, it's not like some guy took a camera. <laughs> like, you know, it's like it's not one guy in a camera. Like this, this movie involved hundreds of people and millions of dollars in production. And so the 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 scenario that they shot at the quarantine house, um, where basically like, and you can see this in the previews, but like he's 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 quarantining himself with these two guys. I think in like in the woods of, of Maryland. And, you know, they're having conversations about like, I think one line is like, who's worse or what's worse coronavirus or the Democrats. And the guys are like Democrats. And, and I'm watching this and I'm like, okay, well, this is a hilarious situation, but I couldn't ever, I couldn't bring myself fully out of this, the confusion of the fact that like, how did these guys not know that, that they're, that, that, that Borat is like taking the piss right now. Like, I don't, I don't get how they don't see that this is a joke there. And there, and, and I think that's the part of the brilliant, that's the brilliance of this film is that Borat is able to, or Sasha Baron Cohen, I should say, is able to um, reveal the inner beliefs of people uh, in a way that's like very authentic and helps us get to the root of the the problem <laughs> in America, the, the fact that our democracy is, is under siege. Um, man, like ah, there's so many scenes in this where I was just like my my I, my jaw was just on the ground. I was just agape watching this. Um, and I'm sure, you know, <laughs> I'm sure one specific scene comes to mind at the, at the, you know, cotillion. That was, uh, that was, that was pretty wild. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just like getting, just hilarious thinking about it. Um, what was your favorite scene? I mean, I, <laughs> I think, you know, what my favorite <laughs> scene is in this movie. Uh, it, it involves Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> Where do you land on this? Did, was what was he doing? Was he tucking in his shirt, dude? What was he no, doing? No, no, he was not tucking in his shirt. That's just like. Can we also well, talk about him all, calling the cops? Like, what a move! Yeah. What are? What, yeah. Also, are you serious? I, like, I I just was blown away. Every move he made, just what what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Yes, yes. There, it should never have. Go, it should never have gone that far. It should never have gone that far. Like, why are you? drinking scotch with a with a journalist i know i guess she didn't say that she was underage i don't know she said that she was underage but and why do you go into a dark bedroom with her like that's just that's just a red flag (laughs) it's like but it's a red flag to to literally everyone except apparently rudy giuliani yeah apparently not i mean i don't know man i just it was just creepy i was that was so cringe to watch and i thought i felt like at any given moment like he was just gonna rip his mask off and be like haha no i'm not rudy giuliani i'm sasha baron (laughs) but then but then borat comes into the room and saves him from from you know whipping it out and like on camera and and having the world see this this thing go down and i'm like this is this is just this is mind-boggling it's extremely disturbing that this is literally the president's lawyer uh and he's not distancing him he's not distancing himself like yeah he called 
Borat a creep today. And Borat, it's like, how is he not immediately fired? Like, how if you're the president, you don't you don't immediately Dude, fire yes, this person? Exactly, exactly, exactly. How did Rudy yeah, I mean, sit on this for months? By the way, can you imagine <laughs> sitting on something like this that happened to you, and you just go on yeah. Fox News like everything's normal? That there's not this. It's not the P tape, but it's everything is normal. <laughs> like, how do you just go on with? All right, I guess it's Thursday now. <laughs> Remember Wednesday, <laughs> that day when I of... almost uh, hooked up with a fifteen-year-old on camera. Dude, it's it's cringe. It's so cringe. Like, it makes you wonder what he like. What does he do? What does he do? Like, what do you, what does he do when he goes to Ukraine? What does he do when he goes and meets with? you know, emissaries on the president's behalf. Like these might be the worst people. I don't know. I don't know about you, Philip, but I'm a little nervous about this administration's people. And I'm also I'm, a little concerned about the president's judgment. Just a little bit. Well, that's, that's a whole, that's a whole Pandora's box. Um, but you know, I think I knew he wouldn't I get Pence. That was something that I thought was interesting that he was going after Pence because everything we know about him is that he's a, he's a cyborg. Um, I remember listening to, so I like National Review a lot, and okay. I um, I don't agree with anything they say really, but yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say define a lot, <laughs> like uh, they're I mean, just sworn, they sworn like Charles C W Cook. I'd first heard him on um, uh, Bill Maher show years ago, and I at least like I had Jim Garrity of National Review on my podcast like t- a month ago now. He's super nice. They're they have their positions, but they're thoughtful, and they're all never Trumpers, and they're all just like, no, this guy sucks. We're just like they're all strictly policy. They're very, yeah. There's no hyperbole. You're never gonna hear them say crazy shit on Fox News. Um, so I I respect it, and they come to it from a thoughtful perspective. I don't agree, but I understand. They like they put in thought, and they're not trying to be shitty. Like you know the bad faith people. Um, yeah, yeah. They're not coming at it in bad faith. They're really not. So I, uh, I'm i okay with that. Um, that's a long way of getting around this point, which is that um, <sighs> National Review and those people, like, <sighs> they go at it where they're like, these people are not that smart. And we think they're all a lot smarter than they actually are. And that is something I took away from this because he – they talk about this administration and who he puts in charge. And like, we just think because they're a politician or because they're powerful, that makes them intelligent or because they went to pin that makes them just this cerebral, um, human. And it's just not true. Um, the other part of this is that yeah. they've talked about Pence where they're like, we've met him and he is just like, what you see on TV is the exact same behind the scenes. That guy was like created out of a Midwestern Republican factory. Like he is not a real person. He's never made a joke. He's never laughed at a joke. They're open and honest about it. Where they're like, that dude is exactly what you think he is. So when you think about him getting got by, when I saw that he was going to be a part of this, I was like, I don't think he's going to get it because that dude, he wouldn't even dine with women by himself. Like, do you think you're going to be able to get him with anything? No, you're not going to be able to get him. Rudy Giuliani was bragging about cheating on his wife. Like, yeah, you can get Rudy Giuliani, but like you yeah. cannot get Mike Pence. So I was, I was not surprised that it, they didn't really get him. Well, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
kudos to Mike Pence. Yes. <laughs> Good job, He Mike came Pence. out as a winner from this movie to me. Like, know, I'm not even kidding. Yeah. That was something I wrote down yeah. in my notes. I'm like, Mike Pence is a winner here. <laughs> Mike Pence won this movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my, my, my hat's off to him for... Uh, he, he stayed very calm when... Yes. You know, when... He's uh, always when calm. Borat burst into the room and... Uh, yeah, that was wild. And then that that the the woman behind Borat like punched him in the back. <laughs> and dude, so uh, so I read that um that this so so uh, Sasha Baron Cohen has you know he's he's made things before where he's feared for his life. Um, I think there was one scene in the first Borat where he he like does a wrestling match with his uh with his ex boyfriend. And he's in like a Midwestern town and like there are neo-Nazis there and they start like they're, they just get outraged and they start throwing chairs at, at them. And like they have to, um, I, I don't know if they cut the scene short, but he was basically saying like, I feared for my life before, but, um, now I fear for our, I fear for the life of our democracy. And so he wrote this 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 really really great op-ed in in time magazine where earlier this month where he's explaining um you know why for for the first time he's taking a public position on the political climate in america rather than just kind of relying on his characters and he said that it's because he just fears deeply for our democracy like he says that um uh you know obviously he's in and when he's been in character before he's he's had to fear for his life and i think even even in this movie like he had to wear a bulletproof vest when he was at the um at the at the anti-lockdown protest in in upstate washington i I think he said that he had to run to a getaway car and like uh the protesters had like ar-15s and they were blocking him and they almost dragged him out of the car and he was like very scared <laughs> and he felt like the bulletproof vest that he had on like wasn't even sufficient because they had automatic weapons um but you know that all kind of pales and he was saying like that all pales into comparison for the fear that he has for like the death of western democracy like the the values of decency and respect that are that are just kind of being slowly eclipsed by extremism right now um and it's very clear, like as funny as this movie is, like it's 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 one hundred percent it's one hundred percent saying that or- Orwellian times are happening now, you know. And he says that the the shared rea- Sasha Baron Cohen says that the shared reality upon which democracy depends has been shredded. That is not a funny line, like that is very very serious. And, um, and it's, and I think it's supposed to be heavy, right? And in this op-ed, he's, he's making a plea essentially to, I don't, I wouldn't say look beyond the satire of this film, um, but to, but to peel a layer back, right? And to, um, (laughs) and to do some introspection, especially in these, I don't think he's going to change anyone's any voters minds in the next two weeks, but I think it's really important to be on the record with these sort of things and to, and to bring these things to light. Um, um, because it's, <laughs> I, I forget what, what, what founding father said it. I think maybe it was Benjamin Franklin, but when he was asked, you know, <clears throat> at the constitutional convention, 
um, when he came out of the out of the hall and I, I guess like uh, someone in the crowd asked him what kind of government shall we have and he said a democracy if you can keep it or if, if, a democracy if we can keep it and um, yeah as as weird as it is to say I think this this movie is in the in the service of keeping our democracy like of of fighting the forces of of you know anti science and counter-majoritarianism and, you know, conspiracy theories that are gripping parts of the nation right now. I think it's really important to bring all these things to light because, um, we can't, we can't address them unless we do that. So that's, it's, it's a funny movie, but it's also really heavy. Would you recommend it? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Can he do another? 100%. Is this it? No, I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't think, I think he he had to. So, <laughs> one of the well, I'll be forty five and he does another one. So I, I'm exactly, not really looking right, forward to exactly. that. Exactly, exactly. I think it was they had to adjust this time. Like they they made it. Um, he basically had to like wear different disguises and uh, so people wouldn't recognize him. Um, and I'm like, okay, well. Are the, are these people who just don't want, like, I, okay, obviously there are people who have not seen Borat, but how about knowing that someone has come into your space and is making a ridiculous situation? Like, I think about, I think about the, the, and by the way, like, I, I don't know how we've gotten, got this far without talking about, um, without talking about Maria Balakova, um, who is, oh, sorry, Bakalova who is not a, she's not a first time actor. She's been, I think she's been acting since 2015, but she's basically the, the co-star of this film. Um, she won, uh, won a, a, an acting award at the 2018 Toronto film festival. But like, I was just completely blown away by their chemistry on, in this film. Like, so Maria Bakalova plays Sasha Baron, or uh, yeah, Sasha Baron Cohen's daughter. Um, he is obviously like this overbearing, like misogynist, man who like is teaching her that like her place is uh, uh like she, she essentially she'll never be equal to men um and and she he like indoctrinates her with with this book that um has this these ridiculous stories about uh why women can't do the same things as men and like she she goes in like straight up into these scenarios and makes people believe that she believes these things. <laughs> and I'm not going to ruin it, but I'm like, how can you, that takes such commitment psychologically. It has to, as an actor to go into a room full of, of Republican women and say absurd things and not break character. Like it is, and I, I and I think the reason that I I was amazed by it was because like for Sasha Baron Cohen to do it, I think that was it's not surprising. Just be like he obviously has all this experience, but here's this this you know this new face who is taking up as much space on the screen, if not more, than Sasha Baron Cohen. And I don't know if you had a chance to watch her, um, to watch her 
the the interview that they did on Kimmel a few days ago, but like they both they both are in character, and I'm I'm watching these two people, and I'm like, this is this is absolutely incredible. Like these this takes this has to take such talent and such commitment. I feel like I'm watching like a like like a like a staging of 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 the Commedia dell'arte where you know um we're in <laughs> I don't know like 16 1630s Florence Italy and we're watching a production of of you know uh, a theater troupe completely commit to these roles and um you know without apology without feeling like they're going to be misunderstood without care and i and i am i just i love every ounce of that like i i just thought that she was great in this um hats off because it's not even i don't even know how you call it acting <laughs> because acting is acting involves involves you know two two artists two or more artists who are reacting to each other and and who are in on this on this scenario and it's not improv because improv is is still two or more people reacting to each other uh you know using a premise to create situations this is like this is this is i don't even know how to describe what like what kind of performance art this is this is this is committing to a person who is not yourself fully, not even committing. It's, it's fully committing to a person who's not yourself going into a scenario where your life literally is, is, is at risk because people don't know what's going on. People have no idea what's going on. And you're talking to folks who have different political views and very, you know, very stark political views. You know, I mean, you run the risk of, of really pissing some people off with the scenarios that you're conjuring up in this. And I just think that has to take such, such intelligence, um, to be able to pull something like that off. So Sasha Baron Cohen, Maria Bakalova, like, man, <laughs> I would, I, I would, I would love to, to hear from them, like how they were able to just, wrap their minds around uh the task at hand because it was incredible what they did especially since she's been acting since she was like what she's only she's only been acting for like five years yeah well that's all i've got (laughs) well i've got some i've got some i've got some uh some other comments okay um that deal with Um, well, I, I, I find it hard to talk about how hilarious this movie is without ruining it. So what I'm, mm. I guess what I'm drawn to is like, what is the meaning of this? Like, so from an explicit point of view, this movie is dedicated to Judith Dem Evans, um, who was a Holocaust survivor and she is a, um, she has just been a, a mountain of a figure in, um, and fighting anti-Semitism in America throughout her life. And she recently passed away. And so, uh, she, this movie was dedicated to her and apparently it, it stirred a bit of uproar. The film stirred a bit of uproar because, um, <laughs> I mean, there was this, there was this scene where SBC goes into a synagogue, you know, dressed as, uh, um, 
you know, uh, I guess in ex- like extreme stereotypes of a Jewish person. And, and here is Judith Dim Evans, this, this lovely, lovely person who just in like embraces him with open arms and is like, let me is reaching out to him and is saying essentially like, let me show you that I am human too. Let me help you understand that, you know, we're all in this thing together. Um, and I think the light that, that Sasha Baron Cohen sheds on, um, on anti-Semitism being Jewish himself, uh, is, is, is one of the most important takeaways of this, of this film, because, um, you know, I think as a me of like being being black, like I was, I was watch I was watching for more, uh, more of a commentary on, you know, how how black Americans were being treated, uh, especially during the summer, um, after the George the George Floyd killing, and um, and I and I and I, I almost kind of appreciated that it that this film didn't address issues of issues in the black culture because i don't think it it it, like there wasn't there wasn't enough space to talk about all these things but the main takeaway um the 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 main ill i guess social ill that i guess you could say that that sasha baron cohen wanted to bring to light with this film was um how much social media perpetuates um anti-semitic viewpoints in this country to this day uh, I think only recently did Facebook um, ban Holocaust deniers. I think only recently has uh, has has Twitter, um, you know, decided to like clamp down on on hate speech. And I honestly th- and and the head of the the Anti Defamation League, you know, applauds Sasha Baron Cohen for bringing these things to light because he thinks that it is going to put more pressure on on these big tech companies um, to, to monitor hate speech more. And I think that is like, it's, it's astonishing that we even have to have that conversation um, in 2020. You know, the fact that we're, we're literally watching Jewish people and, uh, and, and, and folks in the LGBTQ community and black people and Muslims like being killed um, and people with the power to, um, to, to, to deter that, right. People with the power to, uh, to, to take away the platform of, of those who would, who would just spew hatred are more concerned about the bottom line. Like it's, it's disgusting. It's, uh, it's, it's, I think it's, it's, it's anti-democratic, but it's also, it's anti-humanitarian in every sense of the word. And, um, that's why I think, that's why, I mean, this film was only an hour and a half, but it's, it's, it's so important. I never, I didn't think that I was going to say that before watching this. Like you look at the movie poster and it's literally Borat wearing, I guess what you would call like a mankini, like. I, I, and I just think it points out like how powerful satire is as a, as a method of sparking dialogue. And so I'm, <laughs> I mean, I could watch this over and over again, but I'm not because the more I think about it, the sadder it makes me. 
but uh i think that just means that he did a great job you know um <laughs> yeah um what else was i gonna say i think oh the floor uh, is still one, yours philip yeah i just one thing that i'll add i think we were talking about the how earlier and so i've i've made a I've made a mockumentary short. I made a mockumentary short in, uh, in Australia and, um, it was, it was incredibly fun. Um, for the reason that I didn't really like, I, I felt like I had to create this character and stay in character. The, ba- the, the whole premise was that it was, um, it was exploring the, the concept of cultural appropriation by using the allegory of, um, of of what it means to appropriate culture from animals so it was called cultural zoo appropriation and i was basically going around to like different animals and ta- literally talking to animals in public and i looked crazy um and i think what I, while i was watching this film this film is is clearly a mockumentary um one of the things that i think i i that clicked for me was the fact that um if you're going to make this type of art, you, you have to be really fearless in a way that I think is different from, um, other types of art that people make because you're exposing yourself in a way that like opens you up to immediate judgment and you feel that judgment in the moment. It's not like you're on a protected set and, you know, you get multiple takes with a director and, uh, you know, if you're, if you're tired, you can take five and go to your trailer. Like, no, like I remember I was, I was at this zoo and I was like, I was basically talking to kangaroos about how they like, why it was unfair that kangaroos don't get unemployment benefits. And I remember that this, this woman looked at me like, I was, <laughs> she was like, what are you talking about? But like me personally, I thought that I like, I thought that that was hilarious, but the, the hardest thing for me was was to not break character. And, um, the more, the more I committed to it, the more I, the more kind of serious I felt about it. Uh, so it was kind of harder and harder to, to get out of it at times. Um, but yeah, I just think that's a long way of saying, I, I think Sasha Baron Cohen is like a really, really, he's, he's a really special person. Um, he's, I think he says like one of his, his, his greatest, um, influences has been Peter Sellers, the English actor and, uh, and writer who has been in, um, in, in so many, you know, comedic movies, um, that, that kind of unpack what it means to be human. Um, so my, my hat really goes off to this. I, I really want to like commend him for even trying something like this. He had to stay in character in the quarantine house for, I think, like four or five days. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. And he's not even he's not even American. He's this is an English man like spe- and he speaks he speaks fluent Hebrew. And um, the language that they're speaking is like a mixture of, I think, Hebrew and Polish, uh, which partly probably makes this so believable. <laughs> to other to to the onlookers um you just have to have like you're thinking about so much at this at at, at all at all at once like you're you're 
I don't, he's not directing, but he's acting and he's, he's producing. Like I, I, I'm with you. I, I didn't write how down 14 times, but the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, this is, this actually probably has been the most amazing movie. I think, I think we've, we've reviewed, uh, if only for the simple reason that technically this, this is a hard thing to do. I don't think technically, That's I think it I just it, in every facet, I think this is just a very in general hard thing to do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> mm. This is uh this is no burn of debt. <laughs> no burn of debt. This is no burn of debt. <laughs> oh, what are we yeah. watching next week? Green room. Yeah. 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 I got, uh, I watched it on, I watched it on Thursday. That's a uh, man. Oh, it's, you know, can we take, I think we should take a break because that's that, that movie also deals with like some heavy, like that's true. White supremacy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like maybe we want something uh, is it spider-man next week yeah let's do spider-man next okay week. <laughs> feel good <laughs> we can't do two movies about like <laughs> what if we just did the batman the, the killing the joke again just do a rerun. oh you know yeah let's run it back yeah yeah i can i can try to find some better things to say about it <laughs> yeah all right spider-man it is cool i like it all right for that guy down there philip musay we can find you on twitter at philip with one l musay you can find me at chase underscore thomas go check out chase podcast.com and if you like today's episode of musay and thomas leave us a rating and a review on apple if you're an apple listener and let us know why you think i am still the one carrying this show week in and week out <laughs> Philip, thank you as always. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll be back next week. <laughs> we'll see you, my friend.